Welcome back to the Music Appreciation 101 podcast. I am joined with a very special guest, Eric England. How's it going, Eric? Yeah, good. How are you? Doing great, man. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, bass playing, about groove, um, kind of the life of touring with music, music school, all that good stuff into, you know, all, all the things that when you just go to a show, you might not realize all of those individual players have got this really interesting background um, networks, all of these things that go into being a sideman, being in your own project, and and growing as a musician. So we'll just talk about a whole bunch of stuff. How's that sound, Eric? Great, man. Great. Cool. All right. Well, let's let's start off um, just talking about some of our, our mutual friends. I I'm curious. Do you know? Um, I saw you are like connected on Instagram, like Nick Campbell, or um, like some of those some of those guys. Yeah, for sure. I know. Right. I I I, uh, I used to live with Nick like ten years ago in L.A. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, like forever ago. But cool. Great, great dude. Uh, but yeah, I saw a bunch of bunch of mutual friends in there. I uh, was just curious, like how how did you? Because I you moved from uh, Miami to L.A. Is that correct? That's correct. How did you get inter- integrated into a new scene? How did you start meeting people and and kind of growing that network? Because I'm, I'm looking down your friends list. I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, Brendan Bay slamming guitarist ben rose great drummer john schroeder one of my favorite guitarists a mentor to me just like guy after guy after guy it's like oh yeah hell yeah kyle crane nick klingenberg i'm like these are my homies how did you how'd you get into the scene like how did you meet these guys what what what's what was your strategy coming into a new town um well i it's funny i did actually just kind of kind of get off the plane and it's like you know i'm just here i didn't have any um really a plan or um I just kind of did it I finally um you know made a decision to get out of Miami uh Miami is a great place but I, I felt like there was a ceiling to my opportunity there so I, I yeah. wanted to um you know kind of expand the universe for myself I guess if you want to say yeah I get it. Um, exactly. so um I had a couple of friends um already here that moved before I did mostly people from Miami some other people uh school like college friends for sure. uh, from New York and stuff that also moved here so I had some introductions through those people at first um which was really helpful because of course uh, a trusted recommendation is always you know so that's kind of the, like a certified yeah, <laughs> certified exactly. whatever Definitely. you know kind of started like that um i there was a one of the staple gigs in la that actually just started back um at the w hotel Mm -hmm. that was sort of going maybe for 10 or 15 years before i moved here and it was sort of like one of the main uh sort of steen hangs and i was fortunate enough to um somehow through different events i they were um willing to the, the friend that was supposed to do it with me ended up not being able to do it mm. but they were their bass player sorry it's a little confusing no no there were a couple different crews of people involved and the people yeah. that ended up doing it yeah their normal bass player couldn't do it so uh one of my friends was like well i told my friend that I just moved to town that he was going to be doing this and they were cool enough to kind of trust you know at least try me out and see how it went yeah. and it ended up being a really great relationship and that was one of the first circles that started. And I met a bunch of people just doing that gig because everyone would come through. Uh, it was sort of like a sit-in thing. Yep. 
Um, that was one thing that happened. I ended up with like a church gig. Cool. Yeah. That's always good, you know. Totally. Uh, but it's really just kind of like hanging out, sitting in, word of mouth, and sure. eventually, you know, uh, right. most humbly, like it's sort of like if you can play, you can play, you know. <laughs> right. No, exactly. Yeah. 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 If, you, if you can play and you're a good hang. Yeah. There's opportunity for sure. But I also think it's interesting where, you know, like identifying those those influence kind of centers like that W hotel for sure. It's like one of those things, like if you're outside of LA, you probably don't know about it. But when you're in LA for a little while, you go, Oh yeah, that's, that's like a place that, you know, legit players will go play. Same thing like a, like a baked potato or blue whale, which I think closed down. Unfortunately. Yeah. That sucks, man. That brutal. I love that place. That's some of my favorite concerts. That was a a big blow. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That sucks, man. But you know, there's, there are those, there are those centers and New York's got the same thing. I'm sure Miami does too, where it's like, like the watering hole that we all kind of we all kind of gather at yeah yeah for sure it was a major one for sure yeah i totally get that so i want to talk to you about um kind of how you started now how did you how did you come to music what what drew you to it what drew you to the bass guitar and um you know how how did your journey just kind of kick off um yeah that's a good question i there's there's a lot of music in the family my father was a guitar player um sort of semi-professionally he didn't do it like full-time but um he played since like the 60s or something so he he was pretty pretty rooted in it um and i went through a couple of different phases like i started on drums actually oh really then i took some piano lessons none of them really um you know stuck Mm -hmm. and then i kind of just went along with life after that for a little bit and then as i got to like i think about fourth grade I started to like all of a sudden I was like I wanted to learn honestly the first song I ever learned was um was a Green Day song nice and my dad was nice enough to teach it to me on guitar yeah but I learned guitar first and then my dad was borrowing a, a bass and it's funny it was actually um like a Beatle bass like the Paul yeah, McCartney Hoffner kind of yeah the Hoffner thing and yeah, uh sure. and I was like well this is a weird looking thing and um, <laughs> I, I opened the thing and I strummed it and I was like oh <laughs> oh this sounds terrible what is this i was like that's the bass i'm like what is the bass like i don't yeah, yeah um and then i just sort of like i happened to be into the beatles as well at the time cool perfect right so i was like oh you know and then i just kind of like somehow started like being interested in it but uh-huh. really what happened was they didn't have guitar in the school band okay in elementary school I've, I've heard that i've heard that from other bases yeah yeah so yeah. i started playing bass, playing like tuba parts in a concert band, you know? Cool, cool. Basically. Um, yeah. And then I, from then on, I was just like sort of always a music kid. Like I, mm-hmm. I played some sports, but like I was never really, <laughs> it wasn't ever going to go anywhere, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was just always like, it just kind of just clicked, mm-hmm. you know, ever since like fourth, fifth grade. And, um, and then my dad, my dad always enforced or reinforced that, you know, there's a bunch of guitar players, but like a good bass player is like really hard. To, you know, is oh, so true. Yeah, so true. So he was he was a really smart guy, like in that way. Absolutely. Know. Yeah, yeah. Were you able to were you able to like play with him, like connect on that level, um, guitar bass kind of. Honestly, he was kind of funny. We really yeah. didn't play that much. I don't yeah, know yeah, why. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like funny about it. Yeah, you would totally. think, but right. very rarely, like. Once or twice, maybe. Wow, yeah, I, I I hear that too sometimes, but like I also kind of get that where you're 
you each like love this thing, but it is also you kind of you have your own your own world, your own lane with it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I've actually I've talked to a few uh, bass players um, who have started in that same way, where like they're like playing tuba parts. That's always fascinated me because I kind of came to bass later. I started playing bass in like high school. Um, I still feel like I'm primarily a guitarist more than a bassist, but I'm getting better and better. Um, but I've always been kind of fascinated about that. Like the people that like from an early age were getting ingrained in like root movement and and looking at the bass guitar from the perspective of a tuba or from, you know, like like Bach etudes or something like that that you know, it gives kind of a unique perspective. Could you talk a little bit about that? I'm I'm just curious personally, like how does that sink into the fingers and the soul? So, um, you're sorry. Can you simple, simple? Yeah, yeah. No, you're good. Basically, like thinking about like learning to play bass parts that aren't written specifically for electric bass, that are like a tuba bass part, and like how how does that inform musicality? Like learning and playing. I don't know, just bass register rather than bass part. Right. Thanks. Well, in my case, yeah. from what, honestly, it's been obviously a really long time, but yeah, for sure, for sure. from what I can recollect, it, it, it pretty much was the function of, of the bass. Cool. Yeah. In, in those compositions. Uh-huh. So it wasn't anything that like laid crazy on the bass or anything, you know, you know, yeah. tuba, like, so it would be mostly be like half notes and like, you know, or fits or yeah um or basically what what a bass can function as so actually it's it's actually a common thing even more so in the old days like some of my mm-hmm. jazz heroes like paul chambers actually he, he actually played to the cool yeah but, you know so right and you know like the new orleans thing so it's definitely mm-hmm. very point. closely uh you know in, in as far as functionality they can be very close. And I think in, in my experience, there wasn't necessarily something significant about like the tuba parts or, or playing that sort of role that yeah. really, really, I sung. think. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I guess jumping off of that, I want to talk about articulation. Um, I think that's one of those things that, because this pod is kind of trying to be there for, um, you know, players that have been doing this and do this professionally, but also people that are just music fans. I think articulation is one of those things that's easy to kind of miss when you're listening, but you still feel it. Um, and I, I like horn articulation, all this kind of stuff. Bass is one of my favorite articulation instruments just because you have all these options with your hands and muting and fingers and muted notes and stuff like that. Um, can you talk about maybe some of your musical heroes or some of the people that you draw from or like just on that kind of broad subject of right hand playing making the bass sing and making it you know sit in yeah i i um like my some of my influences are they're basically all the people that you would you know you would expect you know uh-huh. all the jazz guys on upright paul chambers ron yeah. carter yeah. ray brown uh electric like marcus miller like for slapping he was like him and victor yeah. rootin were like right the, for sure you know they're very different Mm-hmm. And so I kind of took some from both of them, yeah. Um, and then and on upright, I would say like, in terms of like more harmonically, I probably studied Ron Carter a little more, but like cool. the feel and the and the attack, like you were saying, probably yeah. more like Ray Brown style. 
Okay. Which also transfers to like Christian McBride. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They they have a similar, you know. Um, but to expand on the idea, I, it is it's an extremely important to be very clear and articulate on base, which a lot of people I hear express uh, that aren't base players are like, well, you know, some people just aren't very clear. You know, you always okay. want to know. You're kind of like, as you know, the like between the time and the and the. Um, uh, harmony, right? For so sure. Everyone's kind of looking to you as like at literally the base or the anchor, yeah, and the direction sort of. So like, you know, you have to be. Everyone should always know where you're at all the time. You know, cool. It shouldn't yeah. be like guessing. It shouldn't be like muddy. And yeah. muddy, muddy, muddy. Like you know, you can be playing like sub bass, like on mm-hmm. the neck. Uh huh. But that doesn't mean muddy, right? You're still, right. yeah. I like that. I like that that intention. I, I I think that's huge. That's right. Everything within every note is with intention. Whether yeah. whether you know if you want it to be muddy, then it should be muddy. But yeah, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. But exactly. like, there's no rules in this. But yeah. Yeah. Every 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 note, especially for bass, since most of the time you're playing single notes, it should uh-huh. have a meaning behind it. I feel like. I love that. Yeah. I love that. When you were when you were coming up and you were trying to like improve your feel and improve like your ability to like lock and create pocket. What kind of techniques did you turn to? What what were things that were instrumental in in growing that that intentionality, that sense of feel? Mhm. That's a good one and actually that that was probably one of the most important things that I did and honestly the way that I pursued that was I played with records. Cool. Along with records. Played along yeah. with records, every style. And that's it. Like it was just like you know, if I want to play salsa one day, I'm going to turn on some old um, Bonilla Records stuff like Hector Laveau, or whatever, you know, just yeah, like yeah, yeah. whatever the thing is, you know, um, just kind of match it. Mm-hmm. And that was always my thing. I always basically learned from playing with records. That was really how it started. I like it. Even before I could read or anything. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel that. I mean, that's the best skill that you can have, right? Is content, like being able to play in context. If like I understand, like the the metronome has got plenty of value, but rooting most of your practice in actual like genre and in conversation. Yeah, yeah. I I would say like you know that was a good point. Like I I don't know if I don't maybe I missed out on something, but I never really like sat there with just like a metronome, like real military style, like like yeah. That's cool for dexterity and stuff, but I, mm-hmm. I was always like playing songs and like making it make the practice sort of fun, but make sense towards something. Totally. Uh, not to say that that sort of practice, uh, the other sort of practice is not useful. It absolutely is. But in my experience, I didn't do as much of that. You know, maybe I should have. But. Well, yeah, but I mean, like I can I can say that coming from like the guitar perspective, I spent so much time just shedding scales and like hybrid picking and all this stuff i don't play like that i'm not trying to be ingve malmstein like flying up and being like look how fast i can play this scale not like there's anything wrong with that that's dope too but that's not how i play so it's kind of feels a little bit like not wasted but inefficient yeah i mean i think it has a place if you're if you're you know of course obviously for technique and pedagogy um, yeah yeah uh, you know, there, there's always room. That's it is very important for that. You know, like kind of well, you know, on upright because I play upright and electric. Yes. I yes. did study a little bit more classical with the bow, and Actually. that was a little more like technique. Yeah. You no, know, but 
you know, other than that, it was always like, but then I would go and put on the jazz record and play uh-huh. along. Yeah. You know, with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then like, you know, different types of styles too within that, like, you know, playing with not just like, you know, like uh, Oscar Peterson trio is way different than like Bill Evans or something. So yes. I took all that stuff and like the different approaches. And then eventually when real life comes back around, you start playing with people who, who sort of lean towards these sort of greats in certain ways, okay. whether they mean to or not. Yeah. And yeah. for me, between that and, you know, usually in like a trio setting, it's more intimate. So like uh-huh. if it's piano trio, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, what am I, what am I kind of turning on today? Which sort of like with, in my arsenal what which approach are we taking today so it's like important that. to have all those options available and approaches i think you know that's cool it's almost it almost feels like you're building like archetypes like and then you're like okay yeah i know how to play like in the same way that when you you know you meet certain people and you go oh that's he's like sort of like my friend x and then you it's like you kind of have like a jumping off point you're like okay yeah we kind of get each other right off the bat yeah yeah i mean you never want to really like equate always equate but no. naturally we do that for sure for naturally sure. we do that yeah but i can just tell like you know if someone's playing like very to fit definitive this is mostly i'm talking about in the jazz world but yeah totally someone's play playing like very definitive yeah. chords you know i'm gonna play more like ray brown i'm gonna play mm-hmm. downbeats you know mm-hmm. very clear but if someone's a little more spacey or something then we might go a little more Scott LaFaro, et cetera, like, yeah. you know, a little more in the holes, a little more flowy. Yeah. And then there's stuff in between that too. So For sure. Exactly. But it at least gives you some like waypoint, something to work with. And then you, you make it up from there. Yeah. They're, that they're your tools, you know, you got to have yeah, your, yeah. Your, tools. Your, your toolbox. Exactly. Yeah. I, that's one of the things I do like to talk about is like, like building a toolbox and then practicing for what you want. And like, I think what I'm, tr- what I was trying to drive at is I envision practice to be miserable. Like when I was young, like I thought if I wasn't just unhappy, I wasn't practicing. And I, once I kind of scrapped that and I started actually just like playing and creating and being in more musical contexts and all that kind of stuff, that was when I got better. <laughs> it's like, oh, go figure. It's like actually put yourself into the conversation and you're going to learn how to speak rather than just like running flashcards kind of language learning equivalency. Yeah. Oh, totally. I want to talk to you about um, kind of that transition from the jazz world into the pop world, into the funk world. Um, how, how, like, I, I sometimes think that it's interesting, especially like when you are playing with somebody either in a band or as an artist that doesn't come from as much of a like structured musical background. Like say say that you're dealing with like a, a front person that has really bad time or um, or somebody that doesn't really have a musical vocabulary. So you're having to, you know, kind of experiment with that. Can you talk about that transition? This is a little bit of a mentality shift going from, you know, jazz into pop and funk and then, um, you know, navigating those worlds just personally, like talking to people and, and finding finding ways to speak music with somebody that might not have the same like jazz or music school vocabulary, I think is what I'm driving at. Sure, sure. Um well, um, the first part of that, I, I, well, I basically started, I was always sort of an old soul. So when, when I was talking about when I first started, like learning, mm-hmm. I was learning like Motown and the Beatles. Yes. Stuff like that. Yes. I just liked it. Even though that's sort of what people tell you to learn anyway, first. <laughs> I just yeah, totally. I like it. I just was always an old soul. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just always liked those like, like really like simple yeah. Bass lines that were really catchy that you can 
grab onto mm-hmm. and like and funk stuff yeah like, that's actually where i started cool um and then i also did the rock thing mostly on guitar but i still okay. had that sort of feel mm-hmm. mentality yep, yep so i started off as someone that didn't really know much about theory or cool. yeah you know yeah. so i sort of remember what that was like you uh-huh. know what I'm and then yeah. eventually i studied Mm-hmm. you know more jazz and harmony and, and stuff yeah. um but i would say in my experience uh so in other words what i'm saying is for me yeah. both of those worlds feel pretty natural like i don't yeah. really feel like a jazz person that's got it more like a funk person because like right. i kind of took, my whole thing is like if i'm playing something i don't want anyone to know what my thing is yeah 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 you know what i'm saying like I totally know what you're saying oh this is what he does right but, but he's he's gonna do this today yeah 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 yeah. uh but where was i going with this (laughs) no i like it i like it yeah um flowing i'm I'm enjoying this uh uh, um you you were talking you were talking the oh yeah yeah, getting theory and come back yeah to relate to playing maybe with an artist or someone that yeah i think i think that fortunately most of the people i work with have Mm -hmm. some understanding yeah of music totally you know on a greater level mm-hmm. um, and if they really don't you know it's usually more like they'll be telling us to do something you know what I'm saying like gotcha. I, yeah you're, you're uh, like interpreting rather like oh why don't you try uh, doing this uh, you know minor run here you know like uh-huh. it wouldn't you know it would either just be really simple like you just sing something to someone or yeah yeah I mean it doesn't you know you don't really have to sit there and explain <laughs> right after all it is music like yeah yeah exactly really about the theory, so. no yeah yeah i mean it's it's like i mean, feel like it's the same thing with like language where like yeah we can sit and talk about grammar all we want but fundamentally we're just having a conversation so right you know might as well yeah. just say it yeah yeah i totally what, what i would say is different is sort of like if people coming like that don't really play jazz or they don't necessarily have the same exactly conversation mentality yes they're just kind of playing through yeah yeah exactly but that's different they may not understand um you know that sort of thing and also mm-hmm. something for me is like something that's dragged on from my jazz side is mm-hmm. i have a hard time i mean i'll do it if i have to yeah but i usually never play like if i'm playing a show on tour or something i'll yeah. never play it exactly the same yep like yep. every note you know what i'm saying some yeah. people are like locked in and that's like oh i'll play the same guitar solo every night exactly yeah they fill every night yeah in the same place yeah i just have a hard time like i don't really that's not something so that's where i kind of meet the world's I like it's like i'm still always improvising yes to some extent yes you know, even if it's just like playing a note in a different document uh-huh totally you know what i'm saying like i'm right. always so that's how things stay fresh for me when, so, so, you know, some people complain about things getting stale and you're playing the same show every night or whatever. Yeah. Like, that's how I keep it fresh because I'm like, well, I don't really know how I'm going to do this part tonight or I'm going to... That's cool. So there's that element, and still that element of, like, excitement or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah totally. Uh, I want to talk about listening and, like, especially in a live context that, you know, bringing jazz into, into pop and pretty much any improvisational art has got this where you're playing off of each other making those decisions listening to each other do you like do you have 
do you have any like eureka moments where you're like, oh, hey, like that's, that's what I'm listening for. This is like, this is like how, um, like things are starting to connect. If not, I can give you like kind of an example of, of stuff for me. Yeah. So like a big, a big thing was I, so I was doing some touring stuff on guitar. I was playing with some Nashville guys that were very like studio and they played together a ton and they just tuned me out the entire time. And I was on the road for like about a year with them. And then I get off that and I come back to LA and I'm playing with people that I kind of know and they have more of a jazz background. And all of a sudden I feel like wind in my sails. And all of a sudden I have so much, so many more ideas because before I was just, it was almost like playing to a backing track where I'm like on top of their thing. And then later it's like, Hey, like that guy's giving me a rhythmic idea that I'm going to jump off on my soul. And then the drummer's going to pick it up. And then like, we're all writing this together rather than just being a soloist. that's just kind of, you know, the baby in the cradle that doesn't really have any room to fly. So that's like an example for me of just like the importance of listening or, or just like a little anecdote of where it kind of, I don't know, dawned on me just how important it was because I felt it, you know? Yeah, I, well, a play, a play off that, I, I yeah, do please. think that, you know, there are times when, um, for instance, I don't know what that gig was, but if there are some, in some cases where people want that. Totally. Or, you know, the artist wants people. Sure. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to, I won't name anybody, but I've heard even some really big musical uh acts you would be surprised they want like the same exact yeah every night and it's sort of like that and people are like i are complaining and i'm like man are you kidding you're on this amazing yeah thing. And like yeah, yeah totally. i don't have any freedom you know I don't have, uh-huh. you know um but also as in terms of playing with people i i think if it's not that then it a lot of it has to do with personality and i think that maybe 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 you can um uh, uh, back me up or not on this, but I feel yeah. like it, it kind of relates to the relationship, like you were saying, with yeah. the, the people in in life. Just like mm-hmm. me, me and you having the conversation. Mm-hmm. I bet you your interaction with with someone that doesn't really pay attention, you're not. You probably don't connect with them as much as yeah. a person either. Yeah, yeah. I think you. Yeah. You know, right. um, and it's just a matter of personalities. Like some people yeah. are like not about it I, I i i think that most people naturally do want to have a little bit of interaction because like nobody mm-hmm. wants to talk to some back of someone's head right yeah, right like right. you know so usually some people have some sort of like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you know a little bit of conversation of yeah. course you know it just kind of depends on the, the the people but obviously if it's your friends and people you know it's always better because you have that chemistry always and always better. Yeah. Great always. point. It's so true. And like, it's funny. Cause you, like you're saying there, there's a, there's a flip side of this where you, like you can say, Hey, they're so steady or they're locked in and they're like doing their thing. And then on the opposite side, you're saying, Oh, I don't have creativity from them where I would, I would sacrifice a little bit of steadiness and sureness in order to get that spark of idea and and joy and freedom so yeah it, it, it is interesting there's it's a balancing act and it's not saying either is necessarily wrong or bad right they're just different yeah i think it's just it starts it starts with an approach and intent and yeah. then the other half is you know what are people willing to give up how selfish or not you know <laughs> yeah, they totally. to, it, it's like a mentality you know basically for sure yeah. for sure um, I know that it's been, I know it's been a kind of crazy COVID time, but I, I know that you're, you're playing, you're going out. Um, 
I'd love to talk to you just a little bit about the realities of, of touring, of playing live and, um, any, to, to start, do you have any like rituals or anything like that? Cause like, I kind of had like a specific way that I packed and like had to like do certain things that would make me just take the load off. Do you have any like rituals or things that just make the whole traveling touring experience easier for you? Um, no, I don't have any rituals. It's just, you don't have that teddy bear under the arm and, no, nothing like that. <laughs> Hopefully, everything is smooth and yeah. there's you know good accommodations. And yeah. I mean, for me, it's more about like, you know, are we being taken care of in that way? Yeah. Like, sometimes I won't do something if I'm like, well, I don't really want to. You uh-huh. know, we're not really going to be taken care of, so yeah. you know, it's I'd rather just stay home or something. You know, like, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, but I, I don't want you like. Yeah you know, yeah. sort of superstitious or yeah, yeah, totally. or anything like that. <laughs> I guess I'm boring. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. It's probably for the best. Um, in terms of, in terms of, yeah, getting taken care of, um, you know, you talk about just the difference between having a good and a bad tour manager, not to throw anybody under the bus, just for somebody that's like looking into this lifestyle. Um, just how important <laughs> the TM actually. Well, is. it's pretty much as important as anything else that's involved in the situation. I mean, you yeah. know, it's like, you know, are you going to get fed today? Or, you know, are things on time? Yeah. You know, are flights cool? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's a huge deal. I mean, it's pretty yeah. much, you know, you're you're at sort of at other people's, um, in other people's hands. Yeah. To some extent. True. When you're out on the road, you know, you can only control so much. So, you know, yeah. there is sacrifices that are made sometimes, you know, and usually mm-hmm. it's better if you're cool about it. Unless mm-hmm. it's something real crazy, because mm-hmm. sometimes you just gotta eat it. Um, yeah. But usually, you know, it's you know, a good manager is priceless, you know, sure. and a good town guy. Yeah, and a good sound guy, right? Yeah, exactly. The pillars, the pillars of a good time. That's oh, so true. Um, yeah, I has it has it has it been different like coming back post COVID? Did it feel like shaking off cobwebs or anything like that, or? Um, how's, how's that transition back been? Um, yeah, there there was, there was a period, I think it's been a while since that now, unfortunately. Uh, but also me and, uh, me and some guys, some new guys that I met and some people I knew, Uh um, over the pandemic, we started playing outside in Santa Monica Nice, and just sort of like busking and it, and Mm -hmm. it, um, it was actually pretty cool. I mean, it kept the, kept the fingers going, kept the mind going. Right kept the uh you know a little bit of safe hanging going and Mm -hmm. um so i was fortunate that i was doing some playing at least at some point you know after you know half a year or something totally Um, but right now i i kind of i i feel fairly normal i mean there's still Mm -hmm. like this funny thing we're like oh i can't believe i'm here right now yes you know like right in front of a show of people right now yeah right but luckily, I'm sort of past the point of like, oh, my God, I'm playing with someone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, oh, man. But okay. it's yeah. still the, like seeing people is crazy. Like, yeah. Like a house, like a show of people is just like. A- yeah, exactly. All, all packed together is it, it still has got that feeling. I wonder how long that'll last. Um, I want to ask you about, uh, you know, choosing your gigs. Like once you're established a little bit and you have multiple opportunities potentially on the table, you only have a couple months that, you know, maybe you're going to decide, hey, am I going to tour? Am I going to go in the studio? Am I going to make these decisions? Navigating your career, because, um, you you know, you're a contractor. You're fundamentally, you're your own career. 
how how do you navigate that? How do you make those decisions? What do you weigh? Um, I know well, every situation is different for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of. I think most of it is just like basic logical. I mean, okay. logical to me, logical yeah. things like you know, is something especially right now. Like, is how far is something? Okay. How far am I going to have to drive versus how much it pays? Yep. You know. Which one's earlier? Blah blah blah. You know, is there another gig that I, you know, that one's really late, one's earlier, and then there's one in the middle, so maybe I'll do the earlier one, the late one, so I have two gigs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, you know, and then as far as career, it's like, well, what am I aiming towards? So maybe this gig sort of feels like it's more in that direction. Uh huh. Yeah, I get that. The other one. Right. Right. But sometimes it's hard to really kind of estimate what. Really, I mean, I think you do always sort of have an idea of what is. Pro- For me, it's always like what what is closer to for getting towards goals or what I'm into, yeah. As opposed to just like, okay, I don't have anything to do, I'll do that. Yeah, totally. On that same token, what do you think with like music school? Because I know some people have that decision: do I try and get on the road at 18 and just like grind and have to sit outside the club in between sets or do I go to music school hone some skills and then build that network and then then go out like looking back on that how do you how do you kind of weigh those things and has that evolved over time for you yeah um that's a good question I I think that the network that you 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 get going to school depending yeah. on what the school is or whatever mm-hmm. is it's pretty priceless like looking back on it over the years yeah you have people especially if you go to a school uh, like my school was like people coming from different it wasn't like a state school so right you know people were coming from different places and then everyone leaves again yeah and five ten years down the road you got so-and-so in chicago so-and-so mm-hmm. and then you have all these connections some people aren't even in your field directly yeah they may be com- uh, movie composers or something uh-huh. or not even in music uh-huh. um so that sort of thing is priceless also like i feel like the knowledge like for me like i said for me like i basically didn't really know anything about um actual like i never knew what i was playing yeah i could play but i didn't really know any theory or anything uh-huh. so mainly for me it was those two things. It's like the network and like, it was sort of like a um, speeded up version of like, I'm not sure how much I would have learned of that stuff on my own. I, I don't know over the yeah. years. I really don't know. For sure. I mean, nowadays there's so much information that you could probably make it happen without going to school, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, that for me was, was really priceless. Like learning, learning like harmony and that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Um, and then, of course, playing with people because now, like, right. you know, the world isn't like it was back in the 50s where, you know, there was, like, four clubs open all night, like, and everyone's uh-huh. jamming and you just learn on the street. Yeah. If that was still happening like it used to be, then, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, I don't know, think about it more. But also, if you don't go to school, it's okay, too. You, you might, you, you, if, you know, if you're, like, it's more on the prodigy sort of side or you're uh-huh. really, really good yeah. and you're on the road right away, I mean... There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can still learn stuff, you know, that's like real world stuff. So totally. I'm not going to say that it's, that it's not important to go to school, but, mm-hmm. you know, 
you, you're not going to get hired at the at the law firm with a music degree. You know? so, <laughs> right. It is not the job fair. It's still, for still you. the same thing. Like I'm out here <laughs> doing the same things as someone that maybe didn't go to school. Right. Yeah. You know, I just got some more things kind of spoon fed to me. Uh, yep. yep. Totally. And it creates a, it's like a framework to learn some of those things. Cause some of those things are, they're not the most fun just on our, on its face. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think if you can go to school, you definitely should. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a lot of benefits to it. But, For sure. yeah. But, yeah, it's still workable either way. I feel that, too. I'm always curious when, when you know, when people are, like, deeper in their career when they look back at music school. Cause, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I did it. I, I, it's always funny to me because I'm always thinking, like, well, the one thing I think would have been – my track obviously would have been different depending on where I went to school. So that's another cool. thing to think about. For sure. You know what I'm saying? Cause yeah. I stayed, I stayed where I was for a while just because I started working and I was like, these are the people I know. But if I had been somewhere else, mm-hmm. my trajectory would have been, you know, either different or faster or slower. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Who knows without that? But I love, I love your point about like that spread out network. And I think that's really important. Um, even, even just like maintaining contacts with the, with people that move away because not everybody stays in LA all the time, but they're still making music and stuff. So it's like, Hey, okay, this person is Chicago. This person is in Seattle to meet up, like maybe make a, like a quick, you know, collab or something like that. When I'm coming through on tour, I got like three days off. Let's go hit the studio. You know, all of those different opportunities, just keeping those, those connections and those networks fresh. Yeah, you never know. Like somebody, right. you know, might become the MD of some talk show in New York, and they're like, "Right, hey man, what, you know, I hit you up and whatever." So exactly, and then they, you got like a steady gig that pays pays well, and you're and you're living it. I love it, man. Well, um, anything that you'd like to, you know, plug or anything like that? Any anything you got coming up that you'd like people to check out or hit you up on on IG? <laughs> It's Eric uh, England music, really. right? Like that's your that's your handle, right? Eric, Eric England, England music. music. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, give give this guy a follow. You post dope videos. Some some great great funkin' going on there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's it's great. Big fan of big fan of your playing. Um, definitely inspiration to somebody like me that feels still like a like a three quarters bass player, but I'm working on it. So maybe I'll hit you up for a lesson one of these days. For sure, man. Please. Yeah. Really, really appreciate you taking the time. This was a really fun conversation for me, um, and uh, and maybe we'll we'll circle back and uh, our musical futures will connect someday. Be really for fun. sure. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Music appreciation.